Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, this is uh, John from uh, Samurai Bros Wrestling. I'm back here with my brother, Matthew. And uh, we're here for episode uh, two of our uh, podcast that we've started up since last week. So, uh, Matthew, as, uh, as you know, we talked about uh, the CIF uh, state tournament that was going to be uh, happening this past weekend. And uh, so we covered a lot of what was happening with the, the boys uh, teams that were going to be competing. So, you know, Buchanan uh, trying to go for a six P if you uh, don't include, uh, you know, the invitational tournament that happened last year and uh, you know, could Poway try to try to make some noise, try to bring a title back to San Diego. So we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about, uh, we have a, pretty loaded episode for uh today uh i did want to cover the cif girls state tournament because we didn't get to talk about that last week so i'm hoping uh to get into that and then also the naia the uh, naia uh, college championships uh they had the uh conference championship tournaments this uh last weekend also and so uh, they've already put out the brackets. So just kind of preview uh, what the NAIA tournament is going to be like, because that, that's going to be coming up this weekend, this upcoming weekend. And then uh, we're going to be, be previewing the NCAA D1 Conference Championships. And that's going to then determine who's going to compete for the NCAA D1 title in about three weeks. So, Matthew, uh, let's get right into it. Uh, first, I want to, you know, let's let's so show some love to the ladies, you know, uh, for the uh, the CIF girls tournament and uh, what's been going on with that. So I just want to first kind of go into I tried to go into the state rankings and uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh I'm going to pretty much uh, you screen share, you know, what I have so that it'll provide more visual um, for you and our audience to see. Uh, what uh, just, just a quick uh, heads up for the, for our audio audience where we'll be trying to talk about this as much as possible. We are on uh, Acast is our, currently our only platform, but we're going to be looking to expand. So yeah, we'll, and we'll be talking more later at the end of the episode, uh, which other platforms that you'll be able to uh, catch us on. So Matthew, if you can just do me a favor and if you can uh, uh, enable screen sharing. So, but yes, so there was a lot of uh, interesting things that uh, I saw going on. So let me go ahead and, ah, here we go. Okay, so 
I was kind of interested by this because I was I was looking at it and um, this, you know, the girls state rankings, uh, this was published be- right before the state tournament um, via Cal Grappler, which is the currently the main uh, website that shows a lot of uh, results and rankings and other uh, news related articles uh, for California uh, wrestling. Uh, they are they are pretty much the um, successor after the California wrestler uh, website went down. So a lot of stuff that uh, we would be getting our information from would be coming from calgrappler.com. So do make sure that if you do want to check up on your, you know, latest news and stuff, tournament results, uh, calgrappler.com. So, Matthew, one thing I noticed was, um, so you have uh, these schools, uh, top five schools that were, you know, for the rankings before the state tournament was Evergreen Valley, uh, Menlo, Atherton, Salinas, Elisal, and Gilroy. Now, um, aside from uh, Elisal, um, but they look to be in the same location, it looks like all these schools, in fact, we might be looking at pretty much all these schools seem to be from the, from the NorCal area. Now I would think that there would be some, you know, Southern section schools that would be competitive. So I don't know if maybe this was just one person making this or if they might've just overlooked some tournament results because maybe Southern section schools weren't competing in the bigger tournaments. Um, But so this ranking seems to be quite misleading compared to what the actual results of the state tournament were. Now, um, I, ha- I didn't have time to look at uh, some of the other major sections. So what I am going to do, though, if I can uh, get it in here, that's from, okay. I was, oh, here it is. Okay. So this is the um, team scores from the um, Southern Section Masters tournament for the girls. And uh, it looks like uh, our team that was going to be, you know, the competitor out of the Southern Section for the state title is looking to be Marina High School. And uh, Matthew, I think, you know, uh, Marina High School, uh, we we can relate very much to uh, Marina High School very well because we've got some family members uh, that can that claim Marina High School uh, as their alma mater. Uh, yeah, our uh, father and aunt, to be yeah precise. So when I looked at the uh, the the, uh, the team results and such, so Marina had sent nine. Uh, Nine girls to the Masters tournament. Well, and one thing uh, we should clarify: how many uh, girls' weight classes are there in uh, in high school? So, if I were to look at, um, so if we're looking here, you got one hundred one, one hundred six, eleven, sixteen, twenty one, twenty six, thirty one, thirty seven, forty three, fifty. 60, 70, 89, and 235. So you do have 14 weight classes. Yeah, they're just they're just uh, shuffled differently. Well, they're and they're, a lot, and they're a lot more compact at the lower weights. Uh, you'll notice um, they start at 101, 
And until they get up to 131, it's every five pounds, basically. Well, you know, and I'm wondering if that has more to do with the fact that um, for the girls, the um, for the weight certification, they actually have a higher um, body fat percentage just because of the difference between men and women. So it's required that women have a, a, a higher body fat percentage. So um, that might have something to do with uh, them having it that way so that if they can, if um, they have to, they can go uh, differently. So anyway, uh, so what I found out though was that Marina High School, they had qualified nine girls to the Masters Tournament and then six of them got through to the state tournament. Now, what we should assume then is that and uh, I, I don't know how many wrestlers end up qualifying for a state, you know, based on section because uh, kind of haven't been involved in the girls side so much. Um, but, you know, well, it's so brand new because this is this is a very recent thing, because after yeah. her, when I was in high school, there was no such thing as the women's state tournament. There was the women's USAA state tournament but that was essentially an open tournament so right right and uh so you know i think right now just the way that girls wrestling is in you know at least for california right now it seems that there's a variety of uh you know girls teams and and, uh, obviously you're also going to have um teams that are they'll be they'll be your teams that are good with the male programs, but then there's also going to be teams that, and you might have teams that are good with both men and women. uh, But then you're also going to have teams that are going to have a good women's program as well. Well, yeah. One thing to keep in mind is that um, with women, a lot of the time when it comes to wrestling technique is actually going to um, prevail over you know, like brute force or something like that. That's why in, because let's face it, if you watch men's wrestling, sometimes it's not the more technical wrestler that wins. It's the guy who's just the stronger, faster wrestler. That doesn't mean that strength automatically equals a better wrestler. It just means that the perfect combination of athleticism um, can lead to a, um, a less skilled wrestler winning. Whereas, and that's what you often see at the, um, world level um, but on the other hand like um, just bringing it in and we'll talk about it sometime as well like um, at the world level the Japanese women are the dominant wrestlers now you would think that it would be the Russian women because Russia and the you know the former Soviet um, nations are just better overall in men's wrestling both Greco and freestyle but no, it's Japan. They're the ones who have been ruling the roost ever since this has been a thing. And that's because Japan are more technical wrestlers. So that's where they've been doing that. So if you have a coach that's more technical and maybe doesn't concentrate as much on strength and conditioning, then it's possible for that to lead to a better women's program, which, you know, Marina, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I don't remember Marina being a top Southern section school. They always sent good individuals, but they never were a good team. Uh, for example, neither was San Dimas, neither was Walnut. 
North U, I do remember because uh, Tatiana Padilla, currently a UFC fighter, world champion, uh, wrestler. Um, she went to Northview. Northview just has a long standing tradition of women's wrestling. So that's where I'd say that's where it, that comes from. So then what, what uh, I'd like to do now is get into the uh, what the final team standings were for the uh, girls state tournament and uh, just seeing who all, you know, placed in the finals and such. So let me find that here really quick. And so, voila, um, these are the final team standings for the girls' state tournament. And it was Marina High School who pulled through. Uh, when I had checked the brackets, uh, they had four wrestlers place. And um, two of them did reach the finals, although neither of them were able to win individual state titles. But the thing was that they had already wrapped this thing up before the finals happened, as you can see, uh, you know, how far ahead they were versus second place Gilroy. So 92 and a half points for uh, Marina High School. Gilroy, who was the next uh, team, second place team at 68 points. And then you've got an interesting one here because you have a three-way tie for third place. You have a Royal High School from the Southern section. You got Birmingham High School from the LA section, the Los Angeles City section. And then you've got Paloma Valley from the Southern section, each team scoring 58 points. And you know, uh, that, that LA section placing is very interesting because um, of the fact that historically, the um, the LA section you don't the LA section is not known for their sports. Well, the LA section is not known for for wrestling. They may have other sports that you know we probably wouldn't know much about. Well, I don't know. I don't know much of anything. I haven't heard of them doing good in in anything. Definitely so, not football. Yes, and um, you know e even on the boys side with you know the LA city section. Um, I do remember a few years back when, uh, you know, probably within the last 10 years or so that history was made where the L.A. City section actually did have um, a male uh, wrestler win the, the state title for that section for the, you know, for the very first time in the, in the history of the tournament. So, you know, the there's not really a lot going on, but. You might be interested in the in the um, the fact uh, in, in this other fact that uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll bring up right now um, because I looked at I looked at uh, the previous uh, tournaments that happened and um, as I was mentioning earlier, it seems that you know girls wrestling brings a lot of there's a lot of variety to the teams and even the past two tournaments that I looked at. Each of the winning teams, like Marina this time around, had four state placers. Uh, and a lot of those ended up being some pretty close races. So, like, for example, let me go to the here's – the, here's the 2020 bracket. Uh, you can't really see it too much, so I'll zoom in here. Um, but you had James Logan High School from the, from the North Coast um, – they were the winners, uh, and they had four. They had four placers, but then the runner-up to that tournament was San Fernando from the L.A. 
city section also with four placers. And then if you go to the, the 2019 tournament, and I'll zoom in here really quick so that you can see. And the winner of, of the 2019 tournament was San Fernando. Uh, but, but they only had three placers. And then Menlo Atherton, you know, was the runner up. And then Birmingham, again, uh, the third place finisher. So it seems to me that, you know, there is, uh, you're, you're probably, it seems that consistency is not really there, but you are going to have programs that are going to be, they're going to be, you know, competitive for the state tournament. And uh, I think this will make for an interesting topic. Uh, later on when we have to see, you know, just who, who is actually the dominant girls program in the state. But so anyway, well, from the look of just the last few tournaments, I don't think you could really say there's a dominant state program. I mean, clearly there's it. And it probably has to do with the fact that because women's wrestling is so new. And like I said, just because of the, the different factors uh just because you have a traditionally strong men's program doesn't mean you're gonna have a tradition doesn't mean it's automatically gonna translate to a strong women's program so we it's this these last few tournaments have just gone to show that women's wrestling is really uh really wide open it's not like men's wrestling where the most most likely if you're part of a clovis school you're going to be one of the state champions or you're going to be you know, competing for the state championship. This is clearly demonstrated that we have a different demographic in terms of the diversity and the, uh, the competitiveness here. Cause, cause Marino wasn't even in the top, however many for the 2019 or 2020. And here they are in 2022 right. winning the state tournament. So Yes, and and uh, this is this is their first state title uh, for for the sport. Um, this also goes to show that 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 those rankings were pretty. I, I'm 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 very very curious to see why those rankings were the way that they are. I, I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna those are very biased rankings. I need to. I, it's like whoever whoever is in charge of doing those rankings needs to reassess the the how that's done because this, this is not a, it was not accurate there were there were like 10 programs there that aren't even on there possibly even the 15 it, it's it's it was very inaccurate right because it didn't birmingham no marina no no none of the southern section or even a lot of the central section teams were even on there Right. I'm, I'm looking at it and it's looking like all either because uh, I did see Gilroy on there, you know, so it was either Central Coast or uh, it seemed like either Sac Joaquin or San Francisco, I think, also had a school on there. And, and it just seemed that I don't know it. Whoever was doing it, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, was that what was submitted or was it was that just or maybe it was the wrong ranking submitted. I don't know. You know, it's, it's hard to tell. Rankings so I think- are always extremely subjective based on who is submitting them and who is doing it. So clearly these were 
bias to Northern California and did not take into effect most of Southern and Central California. So with the exception of the, the Central Coast, because obviously there was a lot of Central Coast team on there, but you know, Birmingham, Marina, like all the sun section teams. Or, or Northview, you know, North, I would, I would expect to see Northview on there because of just how consistent that they are as a program. Yeah. So, so, but you know, the tournament has come and gone and uh, Marina, they are the ones that are standing on top. So, uh, you know, I don't think any of them will be watching this episode right away, but uh, just a congratulations to Marina high school for bringing a, a, a state title to the Southern section and specifically to Orange County where we, we have our roots. So uh, I, yes. I, I wonder, I wonder if, if Marina has ever won a state title in anything. That would be a, that would be a, a good, this, this might be their first state title. Cause like we, like what I just said, Marina ha- in all sports, I think Marina has been decent going up and down, but I, I don't ever recall them winning a state title in anything. They've never been that good. They've been average, but not great. Well, I think just to bring a state title to, to any school, especially if they're a, a small school or anything like that. Marina is not a small school. Or, or Marina is twice the size. Just, uh, well, when you're in your competitive level, I think. Okay. In the competitive level that you're known for. Um, yeah, you're right. Because Marina... Um, yes, population-wise, is not a is not a small school. Marina and... Marina is twice the size of well, at the time it was twice the size of my alma mater, Villa Park, and my alma mater was two thousand students. So, yeah, that's that's quite a size. Yeah, uh, I'll give it to you there. All right. Well, with that, um, you know, so that's the that's the girls. Uh, state t- state tournament in a nutshell. So now, uh, and just one other thing I have to mention is that Marina, they, it, it didn't seem like they were in danger that much. They were leading the competition all three days. I did check. Um, I think after day one, they were leading by 15 points and then it's, um, they just seemed to add on it with each progressive day. So again, a uh, great job to Marina. Uh, the Southern section is the one who claims the state title for the girls tournament. Now let's go over to the, uh, to the boys tournament and uh, how uh, they were doing with that. So in the end, Matthew, it was Buchanan high school who, Not surprising. Took, who took the state title. Uh, Poway was the one who took second and Clovis high school uh took third i mean yeah um, give looked, it to poway they got close they were close uh it does also look like your predictions were right because you did say buchanan poway and then uh you kind of left it open for third place but you did say clovis or temecula valley uh but you know um clovis kind of quick word about temecula valley they did end up placing sixth with six placers i uh, think that's the best that temecula valley is because like I said, they've been pretty good in the Southern section, but they were never like state. Cont- I'd say this is the closest they ever, they've ever gotten to state contendership. This is uh, a pretty good year for them. So here's, here's one thing I have to, I have to mention. Um, Poway, even though they had the most state placers, 
Um, Buchanan had this thing wrapped up before the finals. And the reason why is because uh, when I checked the standings pre-finals, Buchanan had 258 points um, and they had three, uh, four finalists, four in the finals. Uh, Poway, that was their final stand. They had no finalists. So, uh, you know, when you don't have anyone in the finals, it's going to be hard to, to kind of, you know, get above that. But, uh, you know, I have to say. So mathematically, Buchanan had already won. Even if they'd gone 0-4 in the finals, they would right. have won by two points. Right. Uh, but in the end, um, they did end up with <laughs> – uh, three champions, which I'll go, we'll go over the uh, placing, uh, all the placers uh, really quick. But just um, so, yeah, Poway second place, Clovis third, um, and it looks like the southern section represented pretty well. Um, Palm Desert, who, uh, as you recall, last week in our discussion, they had the the six winners for the Masters tournament, and. Um, and so they they had four uh, four of those did end up getting into the finals where they went two for two. Uh, but that was enough to get them into fifth place. Uh, just not enough to get into that third place spot um, because Clovis had more placers, and then they did have a couple people in the finals uh, as well. Then you have uh, it was St. John Bosco who placed uh second uh was it bosco no i believe it was calvary chapel was the one who placed second at the masters so bosco finished fifth temecula valley sixth then you had clovis north uh who was the other uh central section school finished seventh then you had calvary chapel eight gilroy was the first uh other uh team from one of the other sections uh they ended up finishing ninth and then vacaville rounded out the top 10 with 113 and a half points so uh matthew just uh your overall thoughts so far on, on how the team scores ended up going uh you know what 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 do you see from this uh you know as far as what you thought would happen well, it's, it's not surprising. Buchanan did win. They were the favorites, and they went in there. Poway gave it a, a pretty good run. You know, it's been a while since they've won a championship, but they, they did go for it, and so did Clovis. And, um, yeah, like I said, I think Temecula, this is probably the best that Temecula Valley has ever done in the state tournament. This is the closest they've gone to a state tournament. And like I said, Palm Desert, Came out of nowhere. Bosco, like I said, has always had good individuals, but this, I think they might have got <laughs> back when the, um, the what's their called brothers? Um, Valencia brothers. Back when the Valencia brothers were, were there, I think they may have, might have gotten on a similar area, but that's because it was the Valencia brothers. So the, again, the fact that they're up there is is interesting. Palm Desert, again, not known for the wrestling, and here they are placing fourth in the state. That's pretty respectful uh, for a, a top four team. And then Calvary Chapel, this is probably the farthest I remember them placing in a while, possibly even the highest. They, actually, they might have gotten higher, but this is definitely the highest they've placed in a while since that 
historic dynasty run. So, uh, and then just pointing out a few other ones, Bakersfield, this is, um, uh, you know, it's been a while since they won a state tournament too, but they did very well. And then also uh, Fountain Valley again. I don't remember the last time Fountain Valley was anywhere near the top 10 of the state tournament. So the fact that they're up there is quite impressive. This is, uh, this was an interesting, it was, the results were expected, but there were some interesting kind of, of uh, secondary players, let's just say, in the, the state tournament. Right. Who would, who would be kind of trying to compete for those bragging rights as far as, you know, where they would uh, place and all, correct? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, uh, yeah, that, that's what I was referring to, yeah, with the secondary players. It, it'll definitely be interesting. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where these programs uh, develop from there. Uh, like I said, Dane Valdez, he's, uh, he's continuing the legacy at Calvert Chapel. Maybe they'll do better. Maybe eventually Calvert Chapel will finally take a state championship for the first time in several decades. We'll just have to wait and see. Poway, maybe Poway's going to get lucky again and take one. But well, I think definitely one of the things, you know, because uh, I'll be interested to see is because um, I'll definitely want to look at the brackets. And uh, when, when, we, when we get into the post, uh, you know, um, you know, at the conclusion of the wrestling season as a whole, you know, that's definitely one of the things that I want to be able for us to cover is, you know, just looking at these schools, you know, who do they have coming back, you know, versus how many, you know, what's going to be their, their grad, you know, their graduating class versus who they're going to be retaining for the upcoming years, because obviously that's going to play a large part into, you know, whether or not they'll be competitive for the upcoming season. And that's certainly true because, uh, you know, whether you have a strong bench or whether you have good people coming back is going to obviously determine what, how you're going to do. So it's just. Uh, so then just to kind of get into, you know, who, who, who did what in the finals. So I'm going to first go into the, uh, the first place and uh, they, they kind of, um, I don't know how they messed up the order here, as you can see, but. They seem to, to have the 106 results then jump up to 145. So maybe at some point they'll fix that, but who knows. Um, but an interesting one that, that uh, we saw here was uh, the fact that at 106, it was, a, it was an all-Southern section matchup uh, between the number four seed Isaiah Quintero of El Dorado High School versus Ronnie Ramirez of uh, Walnut. And um, I think these were... A few of the only, I, I believe, uh, Mr. Ramirez from Walnut was the only freshman to feature uh, in the finals uh, for the night. So that means, you know, I, and I, I'm sure that a lot of that would have to do with the fact that, you know, you had the, um, you had post-COVID where you had the off year, you had really the, the, the teams, you know, I, all the teams, you know, the strong programs, if they were sticking together, then they were doing their thing, obviously making sure that everyone was, uh, you know, practicing and staying in shape. Uh, but maybe, you know, you just had those incoming freshmen that just didn't get the opportunity to um, show where they were at, uh, you know, because for the 2021, uh, 2020 to 2021 season, 
it was mainly comprised of uh, just only duels, uh, you know, in, in limited fashion. And the state tournament that they held, uh, as mentioned previously, was a, an invite tournament that was uh, put together by all the, you know, the coaches in the state. So, yeah, uh, that, that's usually true because traditionally you'll see, uh, the, you know, especially um, especially the lower weight classes, you'll see the, the you'll see some younger unless they're like extremely gifted. You'll typically it's typically in the lower weight class that you'll see the um, underclassmen uh, being able to put on a, a, a performance and being able to place and sometimes even make it into state uh, finals and stuff like that. Cause these are usually younger guys who are growing. So um, in the end, um, so then when you went to 100 and 113 weight class, it was an all central section uh, match and it was the one seed versus the two seed. Uh, Joey Cruz of Clovis North uh, ended up, Winning by decision over Dominic Mendez of Rigetti, eight to three. Uh, then you went up to 120 pounds, where again another um, Southern section matchup. You had Ethan Perryman of Temecula Valley, who ended up beating his opponent uh, Richard Murillo, uh, five to three from Canyon Springs, also of the Southern section, and he was uh, the sixty going into this tournament. Uh, from there and it looks like you know pretty much um, you know and then 132 again uh, you have another um, same section matchup Uh, Jack Jack, uh, Joffrey from Buchanan uh, winning over Dario Lemus of Clovis and then once you get to 138 it's the first uh, it's the first Intersection right. matchup. First intersection uh, finals where you had the number two seed, Michael uh, Joffrey from Buchanan, defeating Bo Montanano uh, from Palm Desert in, in overtime. This was an overtime match. Uh, so, you know, just to kind of go over, you know, the first six weight classes and the fact that, you know, you only have uh, actually, before I do that though, 145 then we also had another same section matchup uh number one seed miguel estrada pinning uh the number seven seed uh matthew rodriguez from rigetti but overall what do you think of the fact that you know in the in the first seven weight classes that you have you know only you know six of the seven weight classes having the same section matchup well, that just goes to show how competitive it's, it was within those same sections uh, for the master tournaments. And really, it was a competition. Well, some of those guys were seated differently, but some of them were able to rise to the occasion and obviously beat their, their seed and go into their having faced uh, foes that they possibly, depending on where they are, possibly face them once or twice, depending on if they've met in the season, also meeting up there as well. So it's just one of those things where obviously if it's competitive enough within the section and you're able to do good enough in state, well, you're going to face each other again, quite possibly. 
So then if you go up to uh, 152, uh, you have a, a, our second cross-section um, finals of the night. Uh, number one seed, Nico Ruiz, did a uh, major decision. Uh, number two seed, Sloan Swan of Buchanan, 10-0. And, um, you know, I think, you know, pins are kind of, um, you know, unless you're actually seeing what's happened, you know, a pin can uh, give you all sorts of ideas about what actually happened in the match. Uh, you know, I would typically think that, especially in a finals match, if you're doing a major decision or if you're doing a tech fall, that is that is showing clear dominance, uh, you know, over your opponent. You know, not to discredit any pins that happen in a finals also, but definitely, especially on a, on a 10-0 score, you know, that's nothing uh, to laugh at. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, the, the reality is a pin could be anything. Someone slipped, someone got a lucky takedown. There's a there's a variety of reasons why a pin could happen. It could be it could have been a dominant match, or it could have been just something where you know stuff happened in in chain wrestling and in a scramble. I mean, we've we've both been in those situations before, and we've either gotten pinned or pinned to someone, possibly that we didn't even have any right to be getting, getting pins on. Whereas uh, a tech, you know, a major decision or a tech ball that goes to show you were destroying your opponent. And, uh, so if someone blasts their opponent that far out in the finals of the state tournament, that goes to show just how dominant they were. Well, and especially if you're not, you're not even allowing your opponent to score. Because a 10-0 would mean that you were getting takedowns, you were not even letting them up, and you were probably getting near fall. There's the only, there's yeah, no other way to near that you fall. Could. If they chose down, that means that they didn't get out at all. You know, so that 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 shows just you know uh, one that you'd be a good writer, but two that you're also getting the points also. Yeah, that's that's definitely the case where yeah, if you're it, yeah, if ten to zero, that is a very big display of dominance because you're riding him, you're getting near fall, you took him down. That's just it just goes to show that you know clearly there was a dominant wrestler and it was Nico Ruiz. Yeah, and Nico, he was he was number one in the state, so yeah, Nico Ruiz of uh, Saint Saint John Bosco. So then um so but then I, he, I would like to I would like to point out, just going back to the 145, you know, I did say that, you know, depending on a pin and stuff like that, you know, it's, uh, you know, anything could happen in there. But if you look at Miguel Estrada, he was the number one seed and he pinned the number seven seed. And if, if we want to go back to, uh, it's, it's one of those things where the most likely he was, he was, he was right. He was he was favored. If it was a closer seed, then you know you could make an argument one way or the other. But when it's it's that kind of a seed, and there's a pin, then I I think it's pretty clear that this this guy he he probably pinned him out of domination. So then, if we go to uh, 160 pounds, uh, we had number two seed. Manuel Gaitan of Temecula Valley uh, beating the number one seed Luke Geyer of um, Calvary Chapel in a, uh, a the second uh, overtime finals uh, of the night. Um, 
Then we go to 170 pounds. Uh, number one seed, Caesar Garza of Oakdale. Another overtime. You know, these these over you know, these overtimes seem to happen quite frequently. Uh, you know, he was so that was a pretty big match against the number two seed, Sergio Montoya of Clovis North. Then we get into 182 pounds. Another one-two match, Joseph Martin of Buchanan decisions, Ty Montero from Bakersfield for two. And uh, 195, uh, number one seed, Cody Merrill of Gilroy, decision over Sonny Kling of Palm Desert, 5-0. And then our last uh, overtime match of the night was Paul Sharp, number two seed, Clovis North, getting a sudden victory takedown over the number one seed, Caden Rogers of Buchanan. And finally, the number one seed at heavyweight, Daniel Herrera of Palm Desert, getting a pin over the number five seed, Sam Hinojosa from Stag High School. And uh, this happened in the one minute, 28 mark. So I got to imagine that either... He got a head and arm or a uh, or he took him down and got him into a uh, into a near fall to a fall position. But if you're if you're a really good heavyweight, you know, it's actually a lot simpler to do than, you know, most people would think, uh, you know, getting a pin from a top bottom situation. I mean, the other common one is going to be that, you know, they're both going to be trying to throw each other, you know, in a head and arm or something. And that's where you're going to get the pin. Uh, your thoughts on that, Matthew? Yeah, with heavyweights, you you do have this this um, especially in you you see it especially in high school. Not so much um, a little bit depending on on the level that you're in in college. But it's you typically have this image of two big. <laughs> I don't know how to put this. <laughs> I don't, I really don't know how to put this wildly, but essentially big, two big blubber balls <laughs> bumping off of each other. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. I really don't. <laughs> but yeah, you, just have, you have this image of two big blubber balls bumping off of each other and one of them getting lucky. But, you know, you might have more competitive heavyweights going out there who are more athletic, who might actually be able to go in there and t- get the takedown. And especially if you're talking like some guys who are like, you know, the, the lowest weight cap class is 220. Suppose the guy's like at 240 and he doesn't want to have to cut 20 pounds. Well, obviously he's got to put more um, effort into being a more technical wrestler. So that's, um, I would just have to see, you know, what kind of body types we're talking about here. Because it, when you're going in the state, you're seeing less of those those rotund, just purely rotund guys, but all but you still do have that image of even at like the if we want to point out like at the NCAA level, you're still going to see the the guys are not like Adonis body built guys, but you're you you know they're kind of more stacked, like more looking like football players. And uh, sometimes it's just still one of those times. Like I remember back when Cole Conrad and Steve Mako were going at it, those guys did not, uh, those guys typically did not win by uh, going in there and, and, um, 
and shooting on each other. They got on, went in there with like the, you know, the, the trips and the head and arms and stuff like that. So typically, yeah, with heavyweights, you're not going to see like these like shooters going in there and, and, you know, taking down their opponents. It's it's like, like I said, especially in the high school level, you're just, the image is basically two blubber balls pulling off of each other. It's oh man, I can just see myself getting getting like roasted for saying something like that. But what else are you gonna say? I'm just it's not I'm not wrong. <laughs> so I do have to say though that um, two akibonos. It's like it's just, this is the best way of putting it. It's like two akibonos. Yeah, akibono and sumo. Yeah. So um, just uh, just kind of quick recap of uh, so the finals ended up with uh, ten out of the fourteen matches ended up with one and the two seeds facing each other. Uh, the one seed uh, overall prevailed uh, one two three four five six, and the the one seed ended up winning the state title. Whether they were against the two seed or another seed, uh, they ended up winning uh, ten times uh, and. The two matches, uh, actually, no, the three matches where they ended up uh, wrestling against someone who was lower than the two seed, they did win all all three of those matches. And uh, 106 was the only uh, match of the night not to feature the one or the two seed. It was instead the four and the six seed. So, again, your, your champion and um, currently on a six-peat right now officially it is Buchanan High School from the uh, central section. Uh, like you said, Matthew, Poway gave it a good run. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, you it's hard to win when you can't get people into the finals. So we'll have to see what they're, you know, when, when we uh, do our episode with um, a, a preview, you know, looking into to next year, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, what, what they're going to have going uh, what each of these schools are going to have going for them uh, into the 22-23 season. So, with that being said, we're gonna we're gonna close out the uh, the the boys state um, tournament, and uh, now we're gonna get into some some college wrestling, and uh, so we're going to go into the the NAIA uh, tournament. So let me make sure of uh, where I'm going to uh, make sure. Uh, I want to first go into this one. Uh, this was the release from the NAIA website and yeah, talking about who all the uh, qualifiers were that were announced. And uh, so each, each conference and there's, there's nine, uh, there's nine conferences that sponsor wrestling uh, in the NAIA uh, so they do get an automatic qualifier. So that would mean that uh, if you win, that, that has to mean if you win your weight class, uh, you're going to auto- automatically qualify for the NAIA tournament. Um, but uh, just to kind of give you an idea of how they're uh, awarding it, uh, as they're saying here, each conference tournament is awarded automatic bids uh, per weight class based on the uh, more, more based on the final regular season poll, uh, which I'm not really going to go into. Um, but uh, and then they're auto- awarded automatic bursts based on the amount of wrestlers ranked in each weight class. 
which is kind of interesting. Uh, actually, each- actually, that is how they do it in in the in D one. That is how they so they they kind of modeled it after that because uh, back when right. I was wrestling in an AI, they went by region, and there were actually right. more ways to qualify it. So they're going in this other direction where they where they mixed the regions and made it more difficult to qualify in terms of you have to qualify in the postseason. Uh, th- that's that's more aligning with the the way that they did things and they do things in uh, right. And my understanding, at least for the the NCAA's, is that um, uh, I, I think in a way that they do um, award the the qualifiers based on um, uh, on rankings, but I think also that they awarded them based on um, if you if you placed for your conference at a qualifying tournament, that would get your conference uh, a bid, uh, a slot into the NCAA tournament was my recollection on that. Do you remember about that? Um, Yeah, the the formula is kind of complicated, but as I recall, it's it's similar to what they do with the NAIA. But okay, so um, anyway, it does say each conference is awarded a minimum of one automatic bid per weight class, which goes to the tournament champion, um, even if the conference does not have any wrestlers ranked in the uh, final regular season poll. So anyway. Uh, regarding teams that are going to be taking at least 10 uh, to the NAIA championships, uh, you're going to have uh, a full team of 12 will be taken by three teams, which is Grandview of Iowa, Life University in Georgia, and Reinhardt University in Georgia. Uh, so those three teams will be taking 12 wrestlers, and then you have Indiana Tech University and Southeastern University taking 11 uh, with Cumberland's Kentucky uh, rounding out that um, group of teams uh, who will be taking uh, 10. So, uh, Matthew, I, I, I do think when you were wrestling in NAI, was, uh, was Grandview uh, the one that was really competitive when, when you were around out there? Uh, this was like shortly before their time. You have to remember that a lot of teams that were that are now in D two were were still in the NAI. A lot of them were were just starting. If they hadn't transitioned, they were like about to within a few years. I think my senior year was the last year that you had McKendry, Notre Dame, Ohio, um, Lindenwood, uh, all those those big name schools that were, uh, oh, Cal Baptist. So all those big name schools that are now in uh, D2, they were still in the NAIA. So towards the top, it was still competitive. Northview's dominance started right after those teams all left. So basically they didn't really have too many opposing teams is essentially what came down to. Right, right. Um... Because, uh, and actually it was Life University, Life University, Georgia, that ended up winning the national title last year. And uh, 
which so, was kind of a surprise. And one thing to remember, I don't even know if Life even um, uh, uh, had a, a program when I was, because uh, I, I, I don't remember them being around. So it's possible that, yeah, they didn't have a program when, when I was wrestling, because I, I don't remember Life Georgia being around. I don't remember any wrestling programs being in Georgia, to be perfectly honest. Not even on the the, right, that's that's the, yeah, like college yeah. level. I think there was like maybe one or two club teams, so NCWA teams. Right, and and yeah, so you have life, and you've got Reinhardt. Uh, you know, two teams in in from from Georgia that are yeah, again Reinhardt. I don't think they had a program. Yeah, because uh, you know, again, when when we're trying to get back into this stuff again after being. Uh, out a while and when we're just making these discoveries and thinking oh where did these teams come from well i have been casually i never like fully just went into withdrawal mode it's like so i've kind of been falling on a casual basis especially considering like i said i was an ai wrestler so i kind of wanted to follow that level but yeah it was one of those things where i'm seeing these programs rise um from out of nowhere, I'm just like, oh my god! Well, this is uh, this is rather interesting. Well, and and here's an interesting thing to point out because I was uh, trying to go over, uh, you know, where everything uh, is at, uh, you know, who's been, you know, in in the game so far, and so obviously, life um, they they won the national title last year. Um, the 2020 tournament actually did run because. Uh, it took place before. It was in uh, February. Know. Lockdowns were in March. Right, right. So the 2020 tournament did happen uh, as well. Uh, what I do, what I did see uh, reading back in some uh, some records here is that Grandview, uh, before Life won their national title, Grandview had won nine of the past ten uh, national uh, titles. So, yes, you're right. It, it's very much been Grandview. And uh, I have to guess that probably if they if if you did have wrestlers that wanted, you know, maybe you had wrestlers that wanted to stay in NAIA because if you if you're transitioning between NAIA to the NCAA, you're on a probationary period. And so you end up having to uh, compete in the uh, the NCWA. Uh, I believe is is the one. So, you know, I maybe you had a lot of wrestlers that uh, maybe transferred out from those schools that decided to, you know, transition. I mean, maybe do you think that that could be why Grandview started having uh, a, a bit of success? I don't know if it necessarily had to do with transfers. I do know that in like the case of Lindenwood um they Lindenwood actually has two campuses they've got the uh, St. Charles campus which is their main campus and they have a Belleville campus for a brief time they actually had a, a Belleville program and it was actually run by uh, the man who was mainly my assistant coach Paul Collum um for some reason not too long ago they cut that program so if anything, I think if they would have transferred, if Linwood would have transferred any of their people, they would have transferred them to the Belleville program. And honestly, the NCWA uh, 
tournament actually became pretty competitive during that time because you had a whole bunch of teams in transition. You had uh, Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. You had, like I said, the 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 um, Cal Baptist, Lindenwood, Notre Dame, Ohio. It's, they were, and then uh, Liberty went down to NCWA because they in order to comply with title nine, they basically said, we're going to keep you guys, we're going to keep you guys, but we're going to make you a club program, essentially a fully funded pl- club program. So some, so it, it's, it was one of those things where ironically enough, the, the competitive level of the NCWA tournament was actually pretty high because of all these, the teams in transition. So I don't I don't necessarily think that the the spike in Northview being competitive and winning necessarily had to do with any transfers. I think it had more to do with just these guys, the 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 uh, the best essentially the best team that was left being able to uh, compete on a higher level. So um, I did a I did an analysis of because uh, I, I did go through the um, the uh, uh, tracking of uh, all the uh, qualifiers and um, this is the if you're looking at this you'll you'll get an idea of uh, you know you can see who qualified you know from what school and what conference uh, so you've got uh, what's called the AAC and that's different from the the NCAA um you know conference that's actually the appalachian athletic conference or you've got the american midwest conference uh you've got what's called the cascade conference which is uh that seems to be more of a of a western uh conference because there is an all california conference too which is kind of interesting but i think um that conference probably doesn't sponsor wrestling which is why you'll see uh, the schools from like, uh, you'll see the California schools, Menlo, Vanguard are in this Cascade uh, Conference, uh, the GPAC, um, you've got the Heart Conference, uh, the KCAC, Mid-South, and the SAC, and the NAI version of the WAC. Nine conferences sponsor wrestling. Uh, and then going by who got, uh, you had the heart conference, which is the conference that, uh, Grandview, Iowa belongs to, uh, that conference got the third most with 38 wrestlers, uh, being sent to the tournament from that conference. Uh, the second most was actually the cascade conference, which is, uh, conferences, uh, like, uh, you would, uh, the, the teams you would see. Uh, Vanguard, which is a new um, university in California, uh, Southern Oregon, Providence, Montana, uh, Menlo, which I'm sure you know very well because I do believe that they have won some NAIA titles and uh, so has uh, uh, Embry-Riddle. Uh, hey, can, can we check out the, the American uh, Midwest Conference? Because I believe that's where my alma mater competes at. Yep, uh, yep Missouri Baptist. Yep. So yeah, Missouri Baptist, uh, they did get one person automatically qualify, and then uh, they had one, uh, their 25-pounder, uh, Dylan Witt, was selected as a, as a wild card. So 
Yeah, um, I don't want to say that my departure <laughs> led to Mobab not doing as well, but admit, <laughs> admittedly, I was there during like a golden, kind of a golden era. I um, believe that they did have some uh, some All Americans uh, during the time that you were there. Correct? Yeah, that, yeah, I think uh, we had like two or three years where we had three All Americans. That was the most I think we had maybe a finalist in there uh we yeah it was it was pretty good we i can't remember if it was 10th or 9th that we played definitely 10th but yeah we 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 uh you did you you got a top 10 finish yeah we we got a top 10 finish i'd i think it was my junior year might have been my sophomore year long story short we we had a good um we had a good few years we essentially had a golden uh golden era in terms of the men's wrestling um i think I think Moab does better at women's wrestling nowadays. Uh, yeah, well, ever since we got started, because we we had a few top competitive women's wrestlers, and then on top of that, my um, my junior year was when we had our first national champion in in either men's or women's, and it was a little plucky girl named Helen Marlis. Yes. Are the the gold medalist from uh, the 2016 Olympics? I still don't know. It's like you know, thinking back on it, it's like I don't. It's like, what's the better thing to say that you you uh, the better claim to fame that you were teammates with an Olympic gold medalist or that your team did the best while you were there? It's like it's to me, I'm just like, man, which one do I do I brag about more? But I find myself bragging more about the fact that I was teammates with an Olympic gold medalist. So um, yeah, the the heart uh, the heart conference is going to have thirty eight wrestlers. The Cascade Conference, which uh, features on the West Coast, they're sending uh, forty three wrestlers. And then the Mid South, which is the conference that has the current reigning champion, um, Life University Georgia, uh, that conference. And you can if you can see here just by the uh, the number of uh, slots that they have. They're sending a grand total of 66 wrestlers to the national tournament. So, you know, that, that usually when you're, when your conference is going to send a lot of wrestlers, that's probably more a testament to just uh, that this conference is, you know, the, the better performing conference compared to the others. Uh, What do you have to say about that? Uh, that's definitely good is that is that yeah if you have more consistency you're going to be able to send more wrestlers and obviously that means you've got a better chance and of note is that we should uh we should point out the fact that even though the NAIA has typically always tried to align their rules more with the with NCAA especially D1 like I said that's why they went from having regions to conferences uh the one thing to point out though is that they still do have the 12 wrestler uh uh, minimum whereas you know you only have 10 weight classes and in, in, in NCAA you're going you're only sending you know the the uh, however many of the 10 that you qualify yeah so should be interesting to see you know just uh well in in any in NCWA you get to send 20 if, if you if you qualify that many you got to send 20 and did, does it matter the weight class, or is it max two per weight? It's a max two per weight. Oh, okay. It, it's yeah, same 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 rules. It's only two per weight class that you can send the most. 
So it'll be interesting to see, you know, will 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 Life University get a second consecutive title, to, you know, to make a defense, or will, or will or will Northview reclaim? Grand Grandview. Grandview reclaim, yes. Yes, will Grandview reclaim the title? So we'll have to see, and we'll definitely be talking about that uh, next week. Uh, oh yeah, and let's also point out the fact that Grandview is Iowa. Yes. The, the 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 heartland, which so, is appropriate because they're in the heartland conference. So you can probably imagine that you know maybe because um, uh, obviously we'll go back and see you know about some of the other programs. I mean because Iowa it's Iowa and Iowa State, but then you know you're gonna have mm-hmm. you know if you've got D two D three and then you've got Grandview, um, and then I think there's also some dominant. Um, uh, community colleges also um, out in uh, Iowa too. Uh, yeah, um, there are. So, you know these. You know you're you're gonna you're probably gonna have the 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 kids going there. You know places like Grandview that uh, you know they probably would have wanted to go to Iowa or Iowa State, and either you know maybe they just didn't get recruited, or you know maybe you had guys that did end up going there, but they just you know, maybe couldn't handle that. Maybe they just couldn't make the lineup. And so, you know, and, and that happens all the time. You're going to get guys, you you know, they'll go to a, a D1 or a D2 and it, you know, they're going there with the intention of trying to get on the lineup, but then they end up not getting there. And then it's a matter of, okay, so do you want to try and continue doing that? Or do you want to take your chance, you know, maybe, you know, in another division, you know, hard to say. Well, like, well, if you want to like use me as an example, you know, I only made the lineup two years and it was, they weren't consecutive. I was my sophomore year. We were thin. I was used earlier in the season. We got more people later in the season. They plugged it up. I, I, you know, I didn't, didn't wrestle towards the end of the year. Senior year became the direct opposite. They, you know, I came back, they needed me out. They were plugging me into duels at, at the end of the season. So it's it's uh <clears throat> you know it's but and, but but you know jackson was bringing me back every year so right it wasn't like i'm sure that i'm sure that if he valued competitiveness over academics because he he still has a high emphasis on academics which is if he had more of an emphasis on that he probably would have said sorry and I, I need your spot and probably would have let me go and I probably would have ended up going to Cal Baptist. But, you know, the, the reality is, is, you know, he kept, he kept me going cause I was always willing to come back. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's some people like there were a lot of more talented people than me who were there one year and then gone the next, like my, my sophomore year, we had a kid, who was a f- true freshman, All-American first year, gone the next year. So, it, you know, some people can cut it, some people can't, mentally. Yes, it definitely is a mental game, and, and that, that happens all <gasps> the time, for certain. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's uh, especially when you get to the college level, it's a, it's a whole different ball game than it is, you know, at uh, – in high school. 
So with that being said, and uh, oh, my, okay, here we go. So uh, with that being said, so, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. Will, will it be life or will it be Grandview? Or will there be a completely different team player that comes in and, uh, you know, makes it interesting at the, the NAIA championships? We'll have to see uh, next week when we discuss that uh, after the conclusion of the tournament. So uh, our, our next topic that uh, I'd like to move into is the NCAA D1 conference uh, tournament previews. Um, and uh, unfortunately, we haven't been able to cover, you know, individual how individual wrestlers have been going uh, just because of, you know, how much that we've been doing, uh, working and such. But we have been kind of somewhat monitoring, you know, the uh, how the teams have been performing overall. So, Matthew, I'll uh, I'll uh, be showing here, uh, you know, obviously and and. Again, this 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 is the team rankings, you know, um, and this is from Intermats. Uh, um, uh, what what we know uh, based on you know how the teams have been performing uh, dual wise, and of course, this is uh, uh, you know you and I both understand that this is not going to be reflective of how the teams overall are going to be, um, you know, doing at the conference championships you know this isn't reflective of how they're going to be doing at the ncaa tournament but this i think can give us you know somewhat of an idea of you know where we think that the teams might finish i mean would you not agree yeah it's definitely a preview it's not set in stone so we definitely don't know for sure if this is going to be it i mean for all we know i might come back and pull an upset I mean, there's teams who have been able to pull up since the NTA championships before, but it's definitely an indicator of what's probably going to happen again. You know, the conference championships could yield completely different results, but we'll just have to wait and see how all this goes. So just to kind of give us an idea, you know, I'll, uh, I'll uh, go over first, you know, just how many, um, Qualifying spots have been allocated to each uh, conference uh, based on the the formula that the uh, the NCAA uses. Uh, so you've uh, you've got the it looks like the seven the seven conferences in the NCAA D one level that sponsor wrestling. You've got the Atlantic coast conference you've got the big 12 uh big 10 you know those two conferences are rich in you know wrestling history uh also the eiwa eastern intercollegiate wrestling association the mid-american conference the pac-12 and the southern conference so those are the seven conferences and uh so overall when you're looking at it and um so i'll kind of skip over here uh, so you've got First, you've got the the uh, ACC, which uh, received 39 slots, and that that's actually the fourth highest um, in terms of uh, you know number of wrestlers that they'll be able to send to the uh, the tournament. And actually, you know, surprisingly, when you're looking at uh, teams like uh, North Carolina State, uh, Virginia Tech. And even the North Carolina Tar Heels, which I'm sure, Matthew, you know, 
that's a team, that's a school that's more famous for their, their basketball success, you know, rather than their, um, you know, than success in wrestling. But it seems that, you know, North Carolina is, is making it somewhat interesting, you know, somewhat interesting. They're, they're ranked in there. Um, you know, maybe when we do our, our, you know, I'll make sure that when we do our, our preview episode for the, the D1 tournament, just to see, you know, how are all these teams lining up and where have they been, you know, before. Um, but so uh, when we're talking about first the ACC, you know, what, what do you think? Uh, do you think that uh, when I looked at uh, the results from the, from the 2021 uh, conference tournament, uh, it was pretty much North Carolina State winning the tournament, uh, Virginia Tech taking second and North Carolina taking third, even though Virginia Tech had won the conference dual title overall because they had beaten everyone that was in uh, that conference. But it ended up being North Carolina State that won the conference. Do you think that they're going to repeat that this year? Um, it is quite possible because, again, one thing to always keep in mind is that it's, you know, it's with with duels depends on having a strong overall competitive team, whereas, you know, tournaments depend on having some stronger individuals. So it's it's possible to be in that situation where, yeah, where you're Virginia Tech and you win all the the. Um, duels because you're in a competitive team when you're in your one-on-ones but when you get into a tournament and you're facing other people it's possible that you know you aren't going to be able to pull it off and that another team who has stronger individuals who are better at tournaments are going to pull it off and win okay so um it's it's a distinct possibility right so uh, before we get into the, the, the really big um, conferences, uh, I do want to cover a couple of the smaller ones. Uh, you know, you've got the, the Southern Conference. Um, they're, they're pretty much the ones that are, you know, they're, they're going to barely make the minimum. Uh, you know, they're only getting uh, 15 qualifying spots. And basically, you know, that's um, – you know, you get your conference champion and then uh, depending on the weight class, it's only going to be the, you know, the person who makes the finals that's going to end up uh, going to the tournament as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Then you've got the Mid-American Conference who's going to qualify 22 slots. Uh, even even for them, though, and in certain uh, weight classes, they're only going to get the champion going uh, as well. And, you know, I'm sure that this has to do with, you know, how they ended up doing at at some of these uh, other tournaments. Uh, But it just seems that, you know, these, these are conferences that probably don't make a lot of noise, but what would you expect for them? Uh, You know, do you think that they, you know, might be some, something that they could do? once they get through the conference going forward. As far as I know, uh, out of these two conferences, only Central Michigan uh, is ranked in the top 25. Which is kind of interesting that a lot of these conferences are getting with with um, uh, like the, the uh, SOCON, for example, some of them are getting 
two, and I, uh, I'm almost wondering if that's like more of a mercy rule than anything else. Okay. So then, uh, um, before I uh, then the the next conference after that, uh, Pac-12, uh, you know, they've at times been competitive. Uh, you know, they'll have you know teams that may have a good run. Uh, you know, they'll get teams that will have individual wrestlers that will do really well. Uh, for them, though, uh, it is looking like uh, ASU, Arizona State, is leading uh, the standings. Although when you look at the, the the rankings here, you know, they can't even crack the top 10. You know, they're, they're looking uh, from the outside in uh, at 11th place for Arizona State. And then their their next team up is uh, Oregon State, who's sitting in twentieth place. Uh, when I checked the results from the last year, uh, you did have Arizona State being the winner, uh, and then Oregon State and Stanford replacing second and third. So, uh, you know, I, I do know that uh, Zahid Valencia, one of the Valencia brothers, uh, he. Uh, because of uh, issues he had with drug testing, he was let go by ASU. So it's only his uh, brother uh, who I have seen be somewhat of a standout wrestler, but you know, you, you do have other wrestlers that are trying to make a name for themselves uh, at ASU. But how do you think that, uh, do you think that it will be ASU that will probably repeat as uh, PAC 12 champions? You think Oregon state and Stanford, I might have a chance, uh, especially considering Stanford almost, you know, literally got the, the ax, no pun intended, uh, you know, during the last couple of years. Yeah, that was kind of scary. And, uh, you know, it's like at one point, uh, you know, they were saying, oh, if we start women's programming, you're going to keep us. And then eventually, because of protests from all of those programs, I mean, they weren't talking about it wasn't like one or two programs. They're talking about essentially axing a third of their, their programs, at which point <coughs> the alumni from all those programs stepped up and said, no, we're going to um, do this. And that included Stanford, the, the wrestling team, that, because, you know, if you go to Stanford, you're, you're looking to become someone who's like, who's, who's up there, like probably a businessman. So a lot of these guys came up and were able to put in this endowment that's going to essentially fund the program for itself. <laughs> but as you can see, Stanford isn't even in the top 25. So if anyone were to unseat Arizona State, I'd say it was Oregon State. But even then, Arizona State went under, under uh, uh, I think it's, what, what, who, who's, who's, this, who's the coach there right now? I was going to say Dak Prescott, but I, I'm, I'm so uh, right Zeke now. Jones, okay, that's good. Yeah, Zeke Jones. Either way, he was he was competitive. Uh, he was a competitive wrestler like a decade ago. Either way. Um, but he's he's brought that that program to prominence. So there is, I, and he's been doing it pretty consistently. So I'd say that Arizona State's probably going to. Well, and also one thing to remember: historically, Arizona State, the only you know uh, 
Far West program to win a, a NCAA state uh, NCAA title in wrestling. So I think they do stand a, a good chance of actually. Of, and, and actually, if memory serves me right, I think they're the only non Big Ten or Big Twelve team to win the national title. Uh, yeah, yeah, you could be right. Actually, you are right. Yeah. Oh, oh, nope, nope, nope. There's actually one other. It's um. What's the? It's 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 some some college that's now a uh, it's now a D three. Um, actually, no, it, it, it's actually uh, University of Northern Iowa. No, I'm, no, you're no, you're thinking of uh, there's there's some other program uh college that actually won one back uh won the championship back when, um, it was uh back when um it was just one um division and then when they split the divisions eventually this program ended up in d3 i'd like to say it's like a, a, there's like it's another cornell it's not the d cornell it's, it's a cornell like in the midwest okay I'll, I'll i'll make sure to look it up then okay so uh with that being said as we're going to be winding down here but uh just uh let's get to the EIWA uh they're going to qualify 42 um wrestlers to the national tournament um right now Cornell is pretty much the leading team uh for that conference and then you have uh Pennsylvania University also in the uh top 25 followed by Princeton at uh 25th so i but, believe the eiwa is now the only uh all wrestling college conference right because all the others pulled it into other conferences yes there were well there were there were super regionals i think and um i know that one of the super regionals uh all the teams from that that super regional um ended up merging with the big 12 which is why ironically the Big 12 now, now has 12 schools, again. 12 schools in wrestling um, compared to only 10 in football, which is, uh, you know, kind of a running joke that we can go with for, I think, quite a while. Of course, they're going back to 12 uh, within the next few years. Right, because Fresno, that's right, Fresno State is uh, no longer... Uh, a program, but Cal Baptist is supposed to be joining them. No, uh, I was talking about in football. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes, in football, yes, because they're getting – because Texas and Oklahoma are, are leaving, which, you know, and, and um, I think, though, that uh, even if Oklahoma as a full school is leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC, I'm firmly – of the opinion that Oklahoma, the wrestling program will stay in the big 12 as a quote unquote affiliate program, because there's nowhere else for really for them to go. Well, there's talks about them going to like the PAC 12 or something. That would, that would, I don't know if I could understand that one, but that's, that's something that we can talk for another day. Anyway, uh, what was interesting about, Last year's um, EIWA championships, and actually I, uh, I do have it uh, here, it was actually Lehigh that, um, that won that tournament, followed by Navy and um, 
an army. Well, remember the uh, the what's it called the um, the Ivy League didn't didn't compete that year. Ah, good point. Good point. You're right. So that would that would make that would make uh make sense for the reason why Cornell had an absence, but uh, you know they're they're back, they're back and they're coming out strong. You know Cornell has this historically been very competitive at the NCAA tournament. Uh, they've come. They've, yeah, back when Kyle Dake was there, they uh they got second, which is impressive for a uh, right a um. Ivy League school, especially considering that the Ivy League is actually one of the uh, one of the few leagues that actually does not do uh, sports scholarships, even though they're D one. Right. So yes, yeah, so uh, you know, probably Cornell won't make any noise and crack the top three, you know, because it's it's the top three that's the really, you know, the the positions that are paid attention to, but. I can imagine that uh, Cornell will reclaim their crown, at least for the EIWA uh, conference championship this year. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, yeah, that's definitely. That's, well, they've already won the Ivy League in terms of like the duels, but yeah, in terms of the IEWA, they definitely would, would be able to do that. Okay, so um, Big 12. Big 12 is going to have... 58 slots uh, for the NCAA tournament. So, you know, uh, we all know who the players are. Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, um, you know, just, uh, but, uh, you know, then then you've got, uh, you know, the... the of, of no, with Oklahoma State, they're actually not having a good year this year because a lot of their guys have gotten injured. Right, right, which explains why they're ranked lower than Iowa State. So, you know, in Iowa State, you know, they went 15-1 and one in duels. So, you know, I would – I have to imagine that, you know, if, uh, you know, since injuries are plaguing Oklahoma State and if they can't have their guys be healthy, then it's probably going to be uh, – Iowa State is going to be claiming the crown this year. Um, I did look, and last year – uh, it was actually Oklahoma State and Oklahoma split the conference title, but uh, probably not looking that way if you're uh, considering, uh, because you can't even you can't even find Oklahoma in the top twenty-five. So, what does that mean for them? Well, it means that they're having even more of a down year than uh, Oklahoma State. I mean, so if we were to you know have to look at uh, hopefully. Um, I can get how things have been going here. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at uh, just for example, uh, the fact that Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma losing to uh, Arizona State, um, you know, maybe some others. Uh, you know, they'll beat they'll beat guy you know teams that aren't as competitive. But I think you know this is probably going to be uh, you know. This is probably not going to be the Big 12's year as far as, you know, having a strong team for the, uh, you know, the national tournament. But uh, definitely, you know, it'll be interesting to see who can claim the Big 12 title, uh, especially if it's going to be Iowa State that's going to be coming back into the fray. Well, if I'm going to be extremely blunt, I mean, the last time that that 
um, that the Big 12 had a competitive team was probably like early Kale years when he was at Iowa State. I mean, that was the, probably the last time, or even maybe if you want to go back towards when, you know, Okie State was winning their, was on their four. Right, their four peat from 03 to 06. Yeah, it's, it, that's, I mean, it, it, would, it would have to be one of those, but, you know, since then, they just haven't been able to put together a uh, decent right, enough because, team. Because the, the funny thing is, since then, it's been all Big Ten teams that have won the title. Yep. Whether it's been, you know, you had Minnesota the last years of Jay Robinson. Um, then you had, um, you know. What? Um, there were a few years where Brands. Uh, yes, Brands, Brands had a, a three, a three-peat run. Um, and I then. forget you, who. Oh, I, Ohio State had that, yes. that dream. And Ohio run. State came in, too. And then it was just after that, you had Kale. Yes. You know, Kale's. Right. Kale's team has won eight of the last 10 uh, titles. So, you know, <laughs> and, and it seems to, and it seems to come in fours. So you had his four peat, then Ohio state came in and then you had his, uh, his next four peat. And then uh, it was obvious though, that if they had not canceled the tournament in 2020, Iowa would have won that tournament. Oh yeah, hands down. He, they were doing that. They were doing well. It's it would have been it would have been Iowa. Which leads us into the you know which leads us into the Big Ten you know preview. Iowa took it last year, but you know right Iowa now took it last year, but you know and and Penn State Penn State ended up uh, they they ended up uh, winning the the duel between them and Iowa, uh, you know, it was, it was still a pretty close match, but you know, that gave us an idea of, Hey, you know, here's, here's who number one is and here's who number two is. And, uh, it does seem though that, you know, Penn state is, uh, you know, they've got their squad ready to go. They're going to come out guns blazing for this, this conference tournament. I think this conference tournament will probably be indicative of what we're going to expect to see at the, at the national tournament, don't you think? Yeah, it, it's the the big the Big Ten has pretty much become a preview of of what's probably going to happen at the national tournament. The mo- on average, if you win the Big Ten, you're probably going to win nationals. So Matthew, um, so if I if I if I were to have to ask you to make a prediction, your first and second place finishers for the Big Ten tournament, who's it going to be? Penn State and Iowa. So you're, you're tapping Penn State to win the tournament, right? Yep. All right. So that's what we have. That's, you know, that's our kind of limited uh, coverage. Uh, but, you know, we did want to at least, you know, get some input in there, just seeing how things are going with the, the conferences. And um, hopefully next season when we're following this a lot more, we're going to give uh, our audience uh, more detailed coverage, uh, you know, with actually following the wrestlers who are in it and stuff. So uh, we do plan on, on doing that for uh, next season. Uh, But, uh, and then we do plan on uh, giving a full coverage, hopefully a more detailed coverage uh, of, of a preview for the 
NCAA tournament uh, the week before. So with that being said, um, so that that concludes pretty much everything. Uh, Matthew, I did want to kind of go over a couple of interesting uh, news articles I've uh, come across. So uh, we'll go ahead and uh, go full screen now, but just to kind of um, so a couple that I wanted to so it, uh, something interesting I found on Flow Wrestling was uh, that the DC Washington DC Public Schools is going to be partnering with uh, Beat the Streets DC, and as you know, Beat the Streets is a that's uh, a um, it's an organization that uh, you know helps to promote youth uh, wrestling. Um, and, uh, I know that, uh, it does try to help out, you know, inner city kids and stuff too, uh, to my knowledge. Um, I haven't had a chance to really, uh, fully, uh, watch any events and stuff, but I do know that they really, uh, you know, they're committed to trying and make sure that, uh, you know, they can, uh, help out, uh, those types of individuals. So anyway, the um, wrestling is coming back to the D.C. public school system for the first time in 30 years, uh, thanks to um, the partnership with Beat the Streets. Um, so it will be coming uh, in uh, for the 2022-2023 season. Uh, but I think, you know, just the fact that, you know, there was none there for for you know, three decades. Um, what do you think though, that, uh, as a, as, as a sport, you know, the fact that, you know, when there's been times where we've been losing programs and stuff, what is your thoughts about the fact that we can have wrestling coming back into, you know, a place like Washington DC like this, especially after such a long absence? You know, it's, it's rather interesting because I, I, I would really like to know why it disappeared in the first place. Like, why is it that 30 years ago they decided to ax all the wrestling? I mean, if, if it was there, then what, why, what happened? Like, what exactly happened? Because if you think about it, 30 years ago, that was, what, 92? At this point, yes, it would have been 92. Yeah, like, what happened in the 90s that would resulted in, in that, that axing? And maybe there, there might be... Um, some more detailed i don't know if it says that in the article but you really have to ask the question what happened that that they axed it and now here you are and it's gonna be very interesting because it's it's still essentially a city so i mean it's you know it's like regardless of you know there's talks about you know possibly doing a statehood or whatever it is but the reality is it's, it's the size of a city so the question is what what do you it's you know you're gonna have you're gonna have a Washington D.C. championship, I would imagine. Um, I would also imagine that maybe just to get competitive, you're gonna have a lot of these schools maybe doing duels in like local Maryland and Virginia and stuff like that. I don't know if any of them are gonna get big enough. I don't know if they- obviously they're all starting from scratch. So it would be several years before you see Washington D.C. schools going to like, you know, beast of the east you know which is the the big tournament back in in the eastern united states one of the biggest in the the nation so it's it's one of those things where it's it's it is nice to see it it's nice to see that you're gonna have the you're gonna have competition coming back to the state of or to you know the district of columbia it 
so it yeah it's nice to see that the state's going to grow the you know sports going to grow especially in an area like that where obviously beat the streets is doing it specifically to, to because we all let's face it washington dc is one of those high crime areas so if you've got even if you're going to get if this is even going to get like the, the few kids off the street that's going to get off the streets then that's a good thing and these kids could even wrestle because there's there's a lot more opportunities to wrestle back there in, in the collegiate level than there is in you know out here so if you're just doing that then you know you're you're accomplishing something but i, I to me the bigger question is what happened 30 years ago in the 90s that resulted in this gang act so 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 eight schools will you know they, it says that they'll be starting with eight schools which is so that just tells you how compact uh, you know, the District of Columbia is. Um, so hopefully, you know, I, I, I wish... Well, like, well, if you look at, like, the Anaheim School District, what, they have, like, what, six? Six high schools? I believe so, So, yeah. and then, um, you know, the the L.A. Um, region is all L.A. Unified School District schools, and I it's something large. It's, I think LA, LA Unified is, is in fact the largest uh, school system in the United States, which is probably why they have some of the problems that they do. But um, Right, if you're too big, you can't, you can't manage. Yeah, the, 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 part of the problem with, with LA Unified is because they're having management issues. They're too big. Right. So, so we'll see. I, um, but, you know, I think this is, this is good, you know, it might it's good for the sport and it's good for the local area. It gets it, it gives even though it's on the other side of the country, though. I like to see when there will be new programs that come up, uh, especially in this in this day and age when you know uh, when the recession happened, uh, you know, over ten years ago now, um, and you had D one programs getting cut left and right. Well, with recent events, you had D one you had programs getting cut. We lost Fresno State. So, yeah, I think whenever a new program comes up, it's good for us. So the last uh, topic I do want to cover uh, is uh, something that uh, we ha- had actually kind of mentioned in passing earlier, which is the University of Lindenwood. Uh, like you said, Matthew, they were, uh, they were a uh, school that uh, you were competitive with at uh, Missouri Baptist. Uh, they are actually in D2 right now, NCAA D2, but uh, they have announced that they're going to be transitioning to the D1 level. And um, so that transition is, is going to s- start happening this upcoming uh, school year, the 22-23 school year. Uh, I was checking some stuff. They did. They, they completed their uh, transition for the 2013-14 season. Excuse me. And um, so, yeah, now they're going to the D1 level. Uh, some other details I've, I've found out before I ask for your opinion. Um, they're going to be joining, the school as a whole is going to be joining the Ohio Valley Conference, which uh, does not sponsor wrestling. So then comes the question, so if they're joining a conference that doesn't sponsor wrestling, which conference are they going to join as a affiliate and uh some things i've noticed here is so 
there is Southern Illinois, Edwardsville, uh, is in the Ohio Valley Conference, but they currently wrestle in the MAC uh, as an affiliate. So is it possible that they could be joining, you know, SIEUE, um, you know, in the MAC? Or the other interesting thing that's going to be happening is uh, for the upcoming 22-23 school year, the Ohio Valley Conference will be welcoming a school called University of Arkansas Little Rock. And how we know that team is because that team currently wrestles in the Pac-12 as an affiliate school. So then comes the question of, so does Arkansas Little Rock join the Ohio Valley Conference or do they stay in the Pac-12? And then does, um, you know, when, uh, when Lindenwood is, is eligible, which is projected to be the 26-27 school year, are they going to join Southern Illinois Edwardsville in the MAC, or could they be potentially be joining Arkansas Little Rock in the Pac-12? So your thoughts on, you know, Lindenwood transitioning to D1 and these possible conference uh, alignments that could be coming up in the near future? Well, it's, it would, you know, um, one question would be, because the Ohio Valley Conference is this, like, long story historical conference, and it's really not given a whole lot of credence nowadays because, you know, you don't have any major, it's not, it's, for example, um, none of their teams are major uh, basketball teams and you, they're, they're not a, uh, they're not a, um, a bull division, you know, in football, they have football, but they don't have it in the bull division. So it, it's one of those things where it's got this long storied historical history but it's it's often forgotten when it comes to kind of the the bigger name uh conferences it's going to be interesting to see and realistically this is one of those things that's going to be a ways off because and i don't know why they make this them do this but the d1 transition is the longest it's four years cal baptist is just finishing and you've got another school i some kind of catholic school but they're they're in the early stages as well. You're essentially talking about a, a senior. If someone were to go uninterrupted from their sophomore, from their freshman, the senior year, that's that's a whole time when you're not competing in the NC the postseason. So it's really going to be interesting to see where they go because you have similar schools. Because, like I said, um, Cal Baptist is finishing. I. This might, might be eligible next year. Yes, I believe so. I, yeah, the, it's, it's going to be the first time that they'll, they'll be eligible for the postseason. And they actually chose from their NAI to D1 transition. No, from the NAI to D2 transition, they chose to go um, to the NCAA tournament. But then from the D2 to D1 transition, they actually decided to go to a tournament that didn't exist when I was around. Actually, it might have been my senior year that I first started. But the the um the collegiate open, which is essentially open to any non um essentially in a wrestler who didn't make it into the uh who didn't compete in the the postseason. So if, if they didn't so I could I 
if I'd known about it and I'd had the money, I may have could make, might have been able to go, but I was a poor college student. There was no way I was going to go. I was going to go something like that, especially when you're talking about, it's a, essentially you're talking about something that's made up of a bunch of redshirt freshmen. That's, that's essentially where all the red shirts go when they want to do some kind of a postseason. So what are they going to do? Are they going to be on that competitive level? And again, it's kind of interesting because, you know, they've taken a while compared to Cal Baptist. I think they started the transition from D NAI to D2 before Cal Baptist. Cal Baptist started afterwards, and then they did their D1 transition earlier. So there's, there's questions there. Why did they decide? Well, obviously it's money. This is all about money. That, that's, that's the reason why they're doing it. So it's just a question of, well, why did it take so long? What's their game plan? You know, there's, there's, there's a whole lot of questions going into it. And then, and then of course, um, you know, during their transition, Cal Baptist actually took the time to, kind of test the waters because they they were also dueling a bunch of uh, Pac-12 schools in addition to Big 12. So they were kind of testing the waters of, well, which way do we want to go? Especially when you consider that their coach, uh, Zaleski, is the former UC Davis coach. So he had experience. I think he had experience coaching in both the Big 12 and the Pac-12. So he was it was kind of one of those things where he was weighing his options. He was the second coach. I'm still not sure exactly what happened to the first coach of, of Cal Baptist. That would be interesting to kind of look into. But um, either way, so it's it, it will be interesting to see. And then in the long term, you know, um, you mentioned three Ohio Valley wrestling schools. I wonder if there might be more schools that uh, that sponsor and if that were the case would Ohio Valley Wrestling be willing to sponsor that in which case you could basically say recall these teams and have them uh, wrestle yeah it'd be interesting to see how that how that goes yeah this is this is one of those things where it's like there's a lot of moving parts there's a lot of uncertainty you know, what's, where, where's Belleville, where's Littlewood eventually going to want to go? It's just, there's just, there's too many open questions. We just know Lindenwood is going, Lindenwood is going to be going, is, is going to start their transition. That's all we know at this point. They might want to test the waters as well. They might have a specific conference they want to go to. We'll just have to wait and see because ultimately it's the conference that makes the decision on whether the, the, um, the school wants to go or not. You don't send an invite, school doesn't go. So okay. for all we know, like with Cal Baptist, they may not have even gotten an invite from the Pac-12. We know that they got an invite from the Big 12, but not we don't know about the Pac-12. So it's, it's Which is something, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting to, you know, to kind of uh, a, a topic to cover at another time. You know, just... Um, you know, how, how, because obviously you have football, um, you have the football conferences that have aligned in many various ways, but just how, ha, how have the conferences in D1 um, had to align or evolve, you know, over the years? So I think that's something that would definitely be an interesting 
uh, topic to cover. So anyway, Matthew, um, as always, uh, thank you very much for your, your insight, uh, you know, uh, for, because obviously uh, you're able to provide a lot of, uh, you know, opinion about uh, what we have going on just in the world of wrestling right now uh, on the high school and the, the national level. It's interesting so, times. Yes, interesting times indeed. So uh, to all our viewers out there, so uh, next week uh, we do plan on uh, covering, uh, first we're going to be covering the results of the, uh, the NAIA uh, championships. So, you know, is it going to be Life University or Grandview? And then uh, secondly, uh, we will cover, um, you know, the, I believe, the preview for the D2 and the D3 tournaments that are going to be happening as well. And the following week, uh, we're planning on covering the conference uh, results from the D1 level, and, uh, and then we'll preview the national tournament. Uh, so keep an eye out. Um, you know, you can find Matthew on MMA-freak.com. Uh, that's where he my, my writes. Social, my social media is also at Matthew Salzer. So you can, you can find Matthew uh, on those uh, various platforms and then also on his, so please go and visit his website uh, to see uh, the MMA uh, coverage that he provides. And uh, hopefully, you know, if he's able to uh, find the time, he'll maybe post some, uh, you know, just some videos talking about uh, MMA uh, as well. And uh, uh, also from, from my side, um, as I had mentioned, uh, I'm hoping to post about sumo wrestling in Japan and then also uh, wrestling that goes on around the world uh, on the uh, international level. So there are some new uh, things happening this week. So uh, I'll be hopefully posting uh, some of that within the next few days uh, to give you some insight into uh, the tournaments and uh, other things that are happening. So. Matthew, uh, thank you again for uh, coming out today. And uh, uh, to all our viewers, uh, thank you as well for sitting in. And we hope to see. Also, uh, remember, we are on YouTube, Rumble, and currently for audio only, we are on ACAST. We will be expanding our audio platforms in the coming weeks. So, uh, as always, uh, thank you very much. Uh, we'll be signing off. Take care, and we will see you on the mat.